Welcome to a new day. I'd like to thank you for joining us at the Bereaved Parents Club, where we focus on conversations involving real people, real stories, and real healing. May the message of this day be a lamp upon your feet in your journey. Part one recap. I used to think I had life figured out. I mean, with all my to-do lists, schedules, rules, um, I just thought I had all my ducks in a row. My plans were made not only for the day that I was in, but my tomorrows had plans. I was to die first, not my child. What happened? So in the mornings, I really left no time to do anything because I was so sluggish at getting out of bed due to not being a morning person. And But the one thing I would always do is check in on my children. And for her, I would always go closer to her bed. So I would lean in closer to her, make sure she's breathing. So um, as a normal routine day, you know, I went to work and I rushed to my office before I have to go to my first meeting and I call home. To my surprise, because it was before eight, my daughter, Ori, my middle child, she picks up the phone. And um, I kind of noticed something in the yes ma'am, and there was like a long pause attached to it. At that phone call, that is a blessing uh, because God allowed me to hear her voice one last time. But it has also been a painstaking dagger that I don't even know if out of routine, I took the time to say I love you. Today's episode, TGIF Part 2. I was a virtual instructor at the time, and I finished up fairly early. So I was like, you know what? I'll go home and have lunch with them. This would provide me another opportunity to check on everyone, make sure they're doing what they needed to do, as well as, you know, if there was any truth to the weariness, was Ori sleepy, tired, because it's so early in the morning, or is there something really going on, right? So I drove home and I remember having to have to urinate really badly. Like, I guess, you know, I probably didn't take a break after my instructing and then I probably just jumped right in the car. So I had to urinate very badly. I flew through the door and immediately I saw my oldest daughter. She was at the stove um, handling some pizza to warm up for lunch. And my son was dancing over there on the sideline, you know, how we do the food dance, right? And um, I said to her real quick, hey, y'all, I'm going to have a quick lunch. I'm going to eat lunch with y'all. And then I said, where's Ori? And nobody really answered, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, and I said, I got to use the bathroom. So I'm running through and I ran up the 17 stairs to the bathroom and uh, get there, use the bathroom, and I come back down. 
And I'm expecting to see everyone at the table at this time, but still, I don't see everyone. I just see two, not three. And um, so I asked the question again, where's Ori? And my son, he offered, since my daughter was handling the food, he offered to go find her. And I was like, okay. He ran up to her room, I believe. And he said, she's not in her room. And then he ran down quickly downstairs. And um, he was about to head for the basement. And he said, I'm going to check the basement. And I was like, oh, yeah, we should have thought of that. That's where she spends her time. That's where she loves to play her piano, make videos, do art, play her instruments. Um, it had became like her creative space, right? And for us, you know, it was just an unfinished basement. But she found the beauty in things, so she made her a creative corner down there. And um, Corti heads down, and um, soon after, I hear this shrill. And you can't even make out the words. But somehow, a mother's ear, even for when they're two-year-olds and they're mumbling, you know what they're saying. And uh, I couldn't believe he had said what he said. Immediately, I started to head down the stairs. And then he met me about halfway. And I said, uh, you go back up with your sister and stay. And I told her, I said, y'all stay, stay up here. And I remember not wanting to turn the corner, but wanting to turn the corner because I, I had to get to her. Not wanting because I was like, no, 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 can't be. But I did. And immediately I went into action. And the one thing that comes to my mind is just, I was just like, why is she so heavy? I mean, she barely weighed like a hundred. Why is she so heavy? And I sat with her in a chair, holding her as if she was a baby. And somewhere into all of the frantic, I had told my oldest daughter to call 911. And she's yelling down instructions to me. And one of the instructions was to perform CPR. And I was like, I, I can't. I, I don't know. I, I just can't. And it wasn't that I didn't know how. I froze in the moment. And I knew. And uh, she said, well, I'm going to come do it. And I said, no, 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 no. No, you stay where you are. I'll do it. And so I start to try to perform CPR or, and, um, 
it was like you're fighting a battle you know you're not gonna win and while I'm doing that emergency crew people start rolling in and I remember yelling at one of them you know come on help help because it just seemed like everything was fast but slow motion I can't really explain it and um, like fast that is this really happening slow motion like he's taking his time to get the stuff out when he when he wasn't but it just seemed like that and he said I am ma'am I, I am I'm, I'm gonna help you and then another crew rolls in and there was this Australian accented emergency crew member. I can't even really remember what he looked like, but I just remember his voice. And he said, ma'am, the Triangle has the best paramedics in the world. We're going to do our best for your daughter. And he called me. And he sent me on my way upstairs to let them do what they needed to do. And when I got upstairs, I faced another picture I don't want to, <laughs> never want to see. On our couch, the one that was worn out by the five of us playing games on game nights or watching movies or falling asleep on now had two what I look at even though my daughter was like 17 at the time two little kids to me sitting there going through this and I was like uh, I don't know how I did it I don't know what I did but I know I sat between them and it was more the silence that comforted us. A presence that comforted us. At that time, I just felt helpless. I didn't know how old to, or I couldn't help the child beneath me. And I didn't know how to help the ones beside me. Soon after that, a detective, African-American lady in plain clothes, she came in and she was like, is there anyone we can call? We've already notified your husband. He's on his way. You know, what color is his car? So we can let him through the barricades, blah, blah, blah. And only person I could think of her to call was my aunt. She's a praying warrior. And at that time, I couldn't even fathom doing anything at that time. It's, it's just, I was frozen inside. I couldn't think straight. I It was, it was an out-of-body experience, so to speak. And so she calls my aunt, and um, I, I couldn't even 
she put the phone to my ear, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't talk. I couldn't, I, what I said, the only thing my aunt probably got from me was something's going on. But what is this? What is it? Because she's just nervous and trembling and mumbling and crying and, you know, all of this energy. I don't know what's going on. And so I know the detective took over the call. Fast forward to another moment. I remember the Australian accent individual coming up and he uh, he said, we found traces of oxygen in her blood. And I didn't know exactly what all that meant because I'm not a uh, doctor of medicine. So, uh, but I I could tell like, oh, this, this is good. You know, this is yeah, okay. Or it's a fighter. Yeah, she's had seizures. She's had knocked down, drawn out concussions where she couldn't even walk and I had to carry her to the emergency room. You know, she, she's she been near death uh, from the seizures in her sleep. So, yeah, okay, this is just another time. We're going to go to a children's hospital. We're going to uh, stay there for a couple of days and then, you know, we're going to come home, talk about it, uh, you know, get whatever help we need. And, uh, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. So, you know, so so my, my emotions start to try to transfer to the recovery. And uh, he offers for me to go downstairs again to speak to her. And I did. And I... Uh, Saw her hooked up to an oxygen mask, other machine, other things that they had down there. And um, and thinking about that, I was thinking about how important it is to breathe. I was thinking about my checking in on her in the morning. And I was like, if only I could go over and feel her chest rise again. If only she would just breathe. It's a beautiful day. Let the sun hit your skin. Take it all in and breathe. Just breathe for me, Lord. That's all I wanted. And I told her that. And I told her I loved her. Please don't hold your breath. Just breathe Cause it's a miracle We can breathe There's power 